Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator and Kayla Morton. The trio is back, reunited, and we're ready and ready for, and ready, there's three of us, uh, for week eight. So, uh, Alessandro, everything good? No. Okay. I'm sorry. <sighs> you got grounded. I, I I didn't I didn't just get grounded. I got my ghosted. Face. Ghosted. It never even took off. Like just... my, my my face got smashed in, and you know, just the whole night. Let's just move on. Yeah, you but... got mono. It's all good. Listen here. He just wanted to get laid. The man just needs to get laid. Okay? <laughs> See, I fault him for that. <laughs> well, now now they've lost to twice the Patriots. So is that stereo? No, that's just, you know, we can't do anything against the Patriots. They've had our number since 2001, so. Not 2000? Because Belichick was there the year before. Uh, He was, but Brady came in in 2000 because he got drafted in 99. But we knocked out Bledsoe in 2000, and we beat him that game. But that was the last game of the season. Well, the last oh, game, of and then they, and then I guess he's had the last laugh ever since uh, Belichick. And anyway, uh, how rude of me! And our other co-host, uh, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you doing? Doing good. I feel like I got a head transplant, so I can focus on this and join everybody again. Uh, so yeah, I'm ready to not be in pain and get back into rolling on this. All right. Well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, obviously, your analysis is always spot on and great so uh definitely love having your voice on here and um so uh, the first thing we were gonna before we talk about the games is a couple trades or actually three trades that happened but two uh for fantasy relevant players one we have emmanuel sanders going from the broncos to the 49ers uh do you you have the specifics on that i think the 49ers gave up a third uh, and they got another pick back i think a fifth as well with the sanders yeah, let's see. I got it right here. Yeah, they oh. treated a fifth round pick to 49ers with Sanders in exchange for a third and a fourth in the same 2020. All right, third and fourth. Okay. All right. And then, um, yeah, so we got that. And then we have, uh, yeah, Mohamed Sanu going from the Falcons to the Patriots. And I think the Patriots gave up a second round pick. I don't know. Did the, they get anything back on top of no. Sanu? Just straight up. Second person, you know. Wow. Um, supposedly, the Packers were trying to get Sanu as well. Uh, I don't think they were going to give up a second, though. No, uh, he wasn't valued above a third. Yeah. I don't, and even that, like, again, look at just we were talking off uh, air about the, the, you know, the offensive line. And look what the Packers did with their third round pick this year. They got Elton Jenkins, who's starting left guard for them and is doing really well. So, um you know, the, even a third round pick might have been too too much. They would have th- eh, 2020. I don't know. I I wonder if uh, NFL GMC, the 2020 draft as we do in fantasy. I know that it seems like everything is, oh, my God, 2020, 2020. But uh, enough of that. So uh, about these trades, Alessandro, what do you think about the Sanu trade with the Patriots, first of all? I think it's asinine. I mean, <laughs> look. Look, I mean, it's the Patriots. They have Walmart baggers and, and you know, cart boys and yet they're able to drop massive points on people and now they actually have a wide receiver of decent value and now it's it's just gonna be oblivious they're just gonna murder everyone and you know what 
fine, do it. I'm done playing you guys. I, I did my two for the year. I got my ass kicked in both of them. I'm done for all of them. Have fun. Everyone else can have fun getting their ass whooped. And yes, I'm still upset. I don't really have anything to say to help your feelings. Um, but <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the fact that uh, Muhammad Sanu gets a chance in his own career to join a team that's going to utilize him. Um, I don't know if he's going to get the production that he's hoping for in New England, but right now they have some banged-up wide receivers, even though when uh, the Patriots' first-round pick, Nikhil Harry, comes back in two weeks, I know he'll be uh, competing for time with Sanu. Um, Sanu also lines up in the slot a lot, which makes me question uh, how they're going to use him and Julian Edelman at the same time. Um, They might put Sanu on the outside. That's what I think they should do, Uh, but I want to monitor that. But I think um, I think a second round pick, I would have done a third round, but maybe, you know, Atlanta wasn't selling him because they know that he has uh, enough value that he's not just someone they're going to give away. Um, I think he was a really good number three wide receiver for Atlanta, but Atlanta's thrown in the towel. They're one and six. I mean, hell, if the Dolphins win two games, we might have the same record at some point in the season. Uh, wishful thinking, but that's OK. Um I don't know. I I like Sanu's play. Um, I think he is one of those players that's been restricted by the people around him on his team. And I think, you know, when you go to New England, they usually make you better no matter how bad you are. So uh, I think he has a chance to improve his career numbers and be on a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs. So I like it for him. I'm annoyed that, you know, the Patriots got somebody else. I mean, who isn't? But uh, I think I think it's good for Sanu, and I always like when players get a chance to showcase what they can do in the league, and this is definitely one of those opportunities for him. Uh, now, he has been getting targets and decent amount of opportunities in Atlanta, so I don't know that this is necessarily a fantasy upgrade for him. Certainly have to feel like a, for him, though, like Sanu as a person, this is a much better situation to be in. As I was reading this tweet. You know, he, he went to sleep as a one in six player, uh, or a player on a one in six team, and he wakes up as a seven and O team. It's... Yep. You know, pretty good situation for him. Uh, and uh, but yeah, like as you guys mentioned, it's it you know the the fight for targets is is going to be tough there with with the depth they have at the receiver. Although you know them making this trade does kind of bring into question Josh Gordon's health. That might be more right. serious than we think. And I know uh, Dorsett's been dealing with a couple things as well. And we know Edelman's Edelman rarely ever plays sixteen. He usually plays fourteen, fifteen. But he, he always will get nicked up during the season at times, just because the sheer volume he's. Get, and it seems like he's going to have to continue to take. So uh, this seems more insurance policy depth more than anything. But he's the receiver that they can use on the outside, like you mentioned, Kayla, not just in the slot. So uh, now I think the reason they gave up a second and not like what you saw with the 49ers, a third and a fourth, and, the, and then the fifth back was uh, he's got another year left on his contract. And this is, this isn't just a rental thing, like where the 49ers are really doing this to rent Sanders for this year, because uh, you know, they're six and oh, and they want to do what a lot of fantasy teams like to do at this time of year that are, if you feel like you're contending, just load up, right. Especially in dynasty leagues, give up those, those draft picks to get production now and try and win. And that's what they're doing here. They're adding another weapon to that offense to go along with that amazing defense. And they think this is our chance to win right here. So let's go and take it. So I admire I like what both teams doing football wise uh, for the Broncos and Falcons. These trades make sense. I mean, for the Falcons, even, even a late second, even I don't want it to be, but even the 64th overall pick is still, that's something they didn't have before. So 
uh, you know, and, and they made and Kayla, they're not that far off. They only have one win, so they, they could very well end up with the first overall pick. You guys could maybe surpass them, just especially if Matt Ryan's injury is gonna, you know, have him out for a long time. This team may struggle to win games a lot, which they've already been doing, uh, and probably will continue to do so. Um, a little bit, bit more news. Carryon Johnson is now officially on IR. Mm-hmm. So fire up uh, Tyson Long. And uh, David Johnson is now nursing a serious ankle injury because the Cardinals just signed veteran ru- running back Alfred Morris. Oh, no, not Jay Ajayi. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No so, so first off, to unpack, um, I mean, the Morris thing, I guess that makes sense that they bring in, because I guess the, uh, what was it, the third, their third string back also got hurt in practice last week, which is why Johnson was that emergency play and not inactive. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this doesn't look good for David Johnson's availability this week, uh, but certainly Chase Edmonds is a, you know, if you didn't have, if he, if he was out there, now you go pick him up, definitely. Um you're gonna have to pay for him a lot this week, though. I mean, fab, fab budget aside, like, you know, this this late in the season, you know, this could be a a guy. I know we don't really talk about fab budgets too much, but this could be a guy you put all your chips in on. Um, you just okay, whatever I have left, I'm gonna use it all on this guy and hope that's enough to get him. Because uh, uh, who knows how long J- Johnson's out for? Really, uh, hearing the back, but then we're also hearing there's an ankle injury as well. So he's dealing with a couple things. So he, he you know, he and especially for them. I mean, I know they they started off with a without a win for a while. Now they're, what, they're 3-3? Three and three? Uh, Oh, they have a tie. So they're 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Mm-hmm. Not horrible, but, I mean, considering that, you know, there's you've got an undefeated team in your division and then you have the Seahawks as well, like, you're going to have to finish, you know, can you really beat every other team's second-best team and, and get that second wild-card spot? You really think that the Cardinals make the playoffs this year? So if, if not, it doesn't really make sense to put too much on Johnson. So I could see Chase Edmonds starting a couple games. And uh, yeah, so definitely go pick him up. <laughs> yeah. As for the carry on Johnson, so you, you know, is it season ending IR, Alessandro, or is he eligible to come back in eight weeks or six weeks? Um, it's not clear, but it's not looking good. It would be six weeks, I think. So then that would put it, what, we're week eight? So that comes back fantasy playoffs. In your sp- championship. <laughs> well, this thing, if you can... If you really believe in your ability to contend and you think he can get there, he's probably worth holding. If you're struggling to get in the playoffs and you really need that extra roster spot to pick up someone to help you win this week, I'd have no problem dropping carry on. If you're like really struggling to get in there. But, you know, if, if you think you can make it and without him, then I, th- I think he's worth holding. Uh, I know I've got Ty Johnson a couple spots and I'm trying to pick him up and <laughs> we'll see when waivers go through tomorrow if I get him uh, in all those other places. But he could get. He could be the guy, but they also have DJ McKissick. I know everyone keeps touting, oh, CJ Anderson's a free agent. They just cut him. They could easily sign him back. Or as Kayla mentioned, Jay Ajayi, they, they mean they, the Lions could bring in someone else as well. Yeah, I know uh, they were working out Ajayi, and he was the one they were expected to sign. Um, so the Alfred Morris, when you said that, Alessandro, I was like, ooh, he dropped in out of you know the sky. <laughs> I heard uh, no reports about Alfred Morris before you just said his name at all. Uh, I guess the Cardinals kind of kept that hush hush, not giving it away to everyone else, right? Okay, come in for a secret visit, and we'll we'll actually sign you. Well, that was rude. Uh, but I I think Ty Johnson's maybe worth playing this way, and we'll get to you know whether you play guys or not. But I think he's 
he's valuable enough that it's. I mean, they're playing the Giants, I believe, right? So that that's a good run matchup for uh, for running back. So if he could get the uh, the bulk of the carries, uh, I know he got the he got all the red zone work this week. Uh, so that's you know at least he has that role. Maybe a couple touchdowns this week. So uh, definitely not going to be shy to play him in in lineups. But uh, did you guys want to talk more about these trades, or did we get to these uh, week eight start sit maybes? Sure, let's get to it. All right, so uh, we're going to start off Thursday night. Vikings at Washington. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know how many people are lining up to really watch this game this week. Uh, so the big, well, the, the one news for the Vikings is Adam Thielen got injured in uh, their last game on a touchdown. Those dumb walls in Detroit at the end of the end zones. I don't know why they have those walls right there, but, I mean, that was a big factor why he got hurt. So uh, kind of unfortunate that it, like circumstances led to it, but I mean, it sucks for every injury. But uh, what that means in the meantime is you got to think Stefan Diggs is now the unquestioned top target. So you kind of, he's back to must start every week. It's Washington. Oh, so it's a definitely must start him. He's uh, trending towards positive for this game. He's not, he's still listed questionable, but they're saying he very well could play this game. But with him not being a hundred percent though, I think Diggs is in this game going to be the top, the top guy. Oh yeah. With him healthy, you know, and this is a short week. So by next week, it could revert back to Thielen. But I think for this week, it's going to be Diggs. So uh, definitely start Diggs. This is a, a dream matchup against Washington. Um, that defense is really bad. Not a great team, so they can't really stop anybody. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, the revenge narrative is overplayed. I'm, I'm, I think it's just a great matchup because Washington's so bad. So play Kirk Cousins, and obviously you start Dalvin Cook. I'd even consider starting Alexander Madison. If uh, you know, we saw a ton of Dalvin Cook last week because it was such a close game. But in the big games where they've blown out teams, Madison comes in and he gets, you know, on the drives where he's on, he's on all three downs. He's getting red zone work. So uh, I think Madison's. I know it's not a big uh, bye week. I think there's only two teams, but uh, the Cowboys are one of them. So let's say you have Zeke out. And you need a, a, you know, an extra, another running back more than usual that you're not normally playing. Uh, I'd compare him to Madison and see, like, is the, is the matchup that great? Because Madison could uh, could have some sneaky value. And certainly in deep leagues, I think he's definitely worth the play. Uh, with Thielen out, I was going to say Olabasi Johnson, Laquan Treadwell, Kyle Rudolph are all kind of maybes there. But if if you know if if Thielen does play, don't play any of them. Now if Thielen's out. It's tough to know who's going to get be the guy. Uh, it seemed like Johnson was productive last week in uh, Thielen's absence. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph. You got to think if if Thielen's out for an entire game and they know they have they can't target him. I, I expect he's going to see more. But if Thielen plays, yeah, they're unplayable. Terry McLaurin to me is the only Washington player you'd consider. I feel like I say that every week. Uh, you know, this is a, a scary matchup for Terry. So it's even he's tough to. He's got Xavier Rhodes on him, who has. Got burned at times, but I mean, he shut down Galladay last week, uh, and it was the you know it was the other side where uh, you know Marvin Jones went off, right? The not covered by Rhodes. So, but, but then you know, for Washington, do I really want to play Paul Richardson? No, I don't. I just avoid every other Washington player to me. Uh, yeah, keep it short and sweet. There, you guys have anything to add to it? Um, yeah, I I think even if Thielen comes back like he's trending to not a hundred percent there's no way i can trust kyle rudolph in any capacity um even if he uh if Thielen doesn't play i don't like the option of kyle rudolph at any point just with the way that the offense is going in minnesota so i think um 
even if for some reason Thielen doesn't play, there has to be better options out there. Like, I like Terry McLaurin before I like Kyle Rudolph, even oh, if the Redskins score zero points. So. Definitely. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, actually, to be honest, I just I only mentioned Kyle Rudolph because I just love the name. It's a great first name, and yeah, Rudolph's cool too. But um, but I think I've made this point before. He's, I mean, he's he may, he probably even shouldn't even be on teams. So there's, I don't know why we I keep mentioning him, but I, I it was it was again the speculation of Thielen being out. I guess got it all excited like, oh, I'm gonna at these guys. But yeah, to be honest, Madison I think is the much better play again. If you're gonna play anyone other than Cook, Cousins, or Diggs, I think Alexander Madison's the best one. Right, Alessandro. Um, I think you guys hit it on the spot. I would not play Kyle Rudolph. He had that lone touchdown. Reemergence back to fancy relevance for like two seconds, but other than him, yeah, everyone else is questionable and starred. And I agree with everything. All right, well then, uh, Kayla, let's get to one of the first Sunday games. We're going to go talk about the Broncos and Colts. It's a horse race, so um, shoot, I think is what they do. Is a gunshot? I don't know. Yeah, Take it away, Kayla. Shot. Wear your fancy hats. All right. Uh, For Denver, obviously, uh, before Emmanuel Sanders got traded, you were going to play Cortland Sutton, but his stock goes up increasingly um, a lot now. Um, He was already the number one wide receiver on my team, at least in utilization uh, for me, for the Broncos. Um, He has at least seven targets in each game this year, no matter what, which tells me that the Denver um, offensive you know, system, whether you're Joe Flacco, whether you're calling the plays on the sidelines, you're relying on Cortland Sutton no matter how the game is going. Um, he's due for a touchdown, uh, and, you know, he's now the number one wide out officially out there. And, um, you, you know, Deshaun Hamilton, who was originally the number three wide receiver, his stock rises a little bit, but taking away Sanders, more eyes might be on Sutton, but I think it just gives him more of a chance to even bolster his numbers even more. I really like him against the Colts this week, even though the Colts defense has been playing better, they've still been giving up some points. Um, the Both running backs in Denver, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, uh, Denver's offensive line is just awful. You saw it in the Chiefs game, made uh, Kansas City's defense look really good when they haven't been this year, almost in, um, unstoppable in my opinion. Um, if I had to choose one to play over the other, though, I would just have to go with Philip Lindsay. Um, I know, you know, listeners think I'm biased for Lindsay, but just looking at it, I'm he got more touches than Royce Freeman in the last game, and that tends to happen. Even though Royce Freeman scored, Lindsay just makes more of his carries than Freeman. Um, Indianapolis defense is at, uh, uh, excuse me, averages 111 yards a game and only has four touchdowns on the season. So that's why I'm I'm kind of hesitant to play either one. But it just seems like with what Lindsay does with the football, he's a better play over Freeman. Uh, it really just comes down to if either one gets a touchdown and who it's going to be. And obviously, you're just going to have to guess on that before you play and hope you make the right choice. Um, I don't like Joe Flacco in this game. He looked pretty miserable against Kansas City. The offensive line is really hurting him. Um, He struggled with passing options, even with Sanders on the team. And now that he's gone, uh, Denver's probably not going to be super successful in this game. I think Indianapolis has a chance to win really big. Um, I also don't like their tight end in this game, Noah Font. He has 2.9 points in his last three weeks combined. Obviously, if you're PPR, you're going to add a couple onto those for his receptions. Um, he's just really not being looked for, and he's really just being used more as a blocking tight end. So 
Uh, at this point, you probably don't have a lot of tight ends out there. I know, like, Mark Andrews is on by this week, and Delaney Walker's kind of nicked up. So if you have to go for somebody, I would look elsewhere other than Noah Font. Um, he's just not reliable. I mean, you might as well not drop somebody on your team to pick him up because if you don't get that guy back, you're not going to use Font anymore. Um, for Indianapolis, I really like Jacoby Brissett. Um, Indy's first in the AFC South, and I'm really impressed by his play. I think he's the most shocking player for me in the NFL this season. Um, just for me personally, I didn't think he was going to be ready when Andrew Luck retired so close to the season. But Brissett has multiple touchdowns in six of seven games that he's played this year, and he also accounted for his uh, the touchdown in the Kansas City game when he only got one. Um, so put that with his yardage totals that are increasing each week and he he's just becoming a must start he's probably not available in your league um, someone on the waiver wire a couple of weeks ago probably picked him up and if you did that I would play him in all formats um, I really like Marlon Mack too his final stat line was disappointing last week but he has 47 carries in the last two games and Denver averages 100 or more yards per game on the ground so this just bodes as a bounce back game for Mack um, I really like T.Y. Hilton outside, too. He's the number one guy in Indy. Um, that's a known fact. And with Indy not using their tight ends as much this season, uh, he's getting more looks and more targets. Obviously, that draws the defense, but uh, Hilton has touchdowns in four or five games, and he has six or more targets uh, in those four games as well. Um, I also like Zach Pascal. He's probably on waivers for your leagues. Um, he has three touchdowns in his last four games. His targets are up ticking um he either scores or gains a lot of yards in games uh that he doesn't see as many targets in when he only had two targets against atlanta he had 53 yards and a touchdown and he had 72 yards against oakland when he only had four targets so he either scores or gets a lot of yards and that's consistent for me so if you need a wide receiver i really like him um for maybe, I would play Indianapolis's defense just because the Denver offensive line is really bad, and now they have to adjust to having one less wide receiver and bringing either some people off the practice squad or playing their number four and five guys a little bit more. Um, I don't like Chester Rogers and Paris Campbell for Indianapolis in this game. Uh, Paris Campbell has missed the last two games with his abdomen injury, and it really doesn't look like he's going to play this game. Uh, Pascal is definitely a much better play than him or Rodgers, and Rodgers has just five catches in his last three games. Um, I don't like Eric Ebron either. Half of his games that he's played in the season, he has just one catch no matter how many times he's been targeted, and his most productive fantasy game was a 10.8 day, 11.8 if you're PPR, but that's because he had one catch for a 48-yard touchdown. Uh, Indianapolis is finding a different rhythm with the Jacoby Brissett and the way that they pass the ball, and it's going back to wide receivers and uh, passing backs, so I don't like the tight ends in this game. What do you guys think? Well, the, to start off with uh, Cortland Sutton, I agree that, you know, I think at this point he's probably a must-play. Uh, the strength of the Colts' defense is definitely the defensive line, and kind of, I, when Malik Hooker plays, he's their best defensive back, but I don't know if there's a corner that can cover Sutton that well on the team, but I don't know that he's the biggest beneficiary. I, I mean, I think he sees probably close to target share now, maybe a little more, maybe he gets consistently 10 targets a game, but I think the biggest uptick is going to come to whoever that second guy is going to step into Sanders role. I mean, the obvious ca candidate I think is Deshaun Hamilton, uh, but Noah Fant's been getting a lot of targets. He just, he's been dropping everything. He just hasn't been able to, to reel it in. 
Um, so, and, I, and actually, to be honest, Hamilton has, has been dropping a lot of passes as well. So it's not as if one of them really is showing up the other. Um, so I, I could see, I don't know, I just, I kind of agree with you not, not to play Fant this week, but I think he could see more targets than what he's used to. Uh, it's kind of risky, though, because, I, I, again, I think that's with the middle of that defense and they got especially Darius Leonard back, although I know that helps the run game more, but it, covering tight ends will probably get easier for them. So it's I don't know that Fant's a great play this week either. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of, of the maybe to get with the sit, though. Um, as for Lindsay and Freeman, the only uh, last week was the first time, we, and actually these last two weeks, but certainly last week was the most apparent where Freeman was on the field more than Lindsay. 63% of the snaps to 40%. Now that's a lot of, uh, they use Freeman more as a pass protector than they do Lindsay. They trust him a lot more. And it seems like even though Lindsay's capable of, uh, a capable receiving back it seems like freeman gets a lot of those dump off opportunities so as from a ppr perspective i think it's great i know i advocated for playing freeman last week but that was the matchup because kansas city's defense is so good or so bad against the run and while the colts defense has been bad against the run this year like you mentioned last week they got darius leonard back so it, it gets tougher so um i don't know i'm a little i'm, I'm kind of scared to play both but i i think you're in the right range there with the maybe on both of them uh, I think if you're stuck, either are okay plays, but definitely better. Like, I think I, I, I think I might even, especially if I, I felt like I needed that extra push and upside. I think I might rather go with a uh, Alexander Madison, just because the chance of that game being a blowout and him getting a touchdown or two seems actually kind of likely. Right. I think the the font call you should probably wait another week just to see how he does with Sanders being gone. But I definitely see your point. I, I and I, I get it. You don't want to drop someone that you're going to regret, right? If you've got uh, someone at the end of your bench that you don't feel that strongly about, you can go pick, pick up Font. Uh, I know I have Font on on a few rosters, so I'm not really picking him up. I'm I'm definitely not dropping him either. One one of them is a dynasty, so there's obviously dynasty is a little different than redraft. In redraft, you're right. He, he doesn't need to necess- doesn't have to be rostered. Uh, I know that's a league where. Uh, I've I had Kyle Rudolph. I think that's the tight end I drafted, and then eventually Will Disley came in as my savior. Oh my god! I finally have a tight end I can play every week, and now that's gone. So back to <laughs> Noah Fant and whoever I can get out, <laughs> scrape off the waiver wire in that league. Uh, I, I I think you were spot on with everything about the Colts. Uh, it's funny. Chester Rogers, Campbell was the same thing. Like uh, they're not really doing much. Deion Kane's right there too. He's playing a lot. I know I had faith in him, the the big target and uh, things, but he's done nothing. He is a few a few goose eggs this year. So you're right. I think it definitely seems like it's Hilton Pascal, kind of the the top two guys right now. Uh, I'd still consider playing Jack Doyle though. He's on the field a lot. Maybe, uh, you know, I think he's better play than Ebron. Uh, Ebron does did he was a good play last week though, but. Uh, I remember that thinking that was a, a pretty good matchup against Houston. Uh, Denver against tight ends. They are, I don't know if that's a good matchup or not. Uh, 21st most. So, yeah, not great. At bottom half of uh, of the, you know, productive fantasy performances against them. So, it's no, it's not a great matchup. So, yeah, I, I, I get your point of sitting him. Alessandro, you want to chime in here? Yes, because you guys are forgetting my boy. Hamilton. I mentioned him. I mentioned him. He drops a lot. But but you're not not rooting for him now. Look, when we came into this... I'm definitely rooting more for Fanta just because I have him more in teams. But yeah, you're right. Well, when we came into this league, well, into the season, I should say, um, you know, we always thought it was going to be Sutton, Hamilton, then Sanders. It was Sanders, Sutton, depending on the week, and then Fant and Hamilton. 
Hamilton's been quiet, but he's been accruing points. He's he's fantasy relevant for like those one or two extra points. Volunteer flex play. Sanders gone. They got Hamilton, Fawn, and Sutton now. That's a nice trio in up front. And all they need to do is just pick up some guy that you know needs a job off the practice squad, and boom, there you go. And now you have a nice young receiving core that Joe Flacco can get the hell out of and throw Drew Locke in, and then we'll have a nice, you know, young Broncos team. Although I don't know if you want to put Drew Locke behind that offensive line. You may you may wait a year on Drew Locke and just say, nah, we're not we're not throwing him behind there. And look, if Sam Darnold can survive my offensive line and Drew Locke can survive his, his is better than mine. Yeah, so. but the, but there is a difference. In Sam Darnold is the quarterback right now. Like he's he is going. This is his time to start. So you, there's no other option. Whereas Drew Locke, it's not like I don't know why why bring him. I guess maybe a week seventeen game. I suppose I see that. But like, why bring him in? You have to give him real time playing experience. Preseason don't mean for shit because that's do, second do you third. Have to, fourth, I don't know that. I mean. I don't know that you have to start you in year to, one. You have to. You, you got to throw in the kid in the fire. Because that's the only way you're going to get, you know, a nice strong sword is when you burn it, quench it, burn it again, quench it again. You got to keep at it. Because then. No, I'm, not a sword, I'm not a blacksmith or a sword making expert, but you can't just like take a piece of metal and stick it in the furnace, right? You got to prep it and you got to treat it to make sure that when it goes in the, in the furnace, it doesn't all crack and break, right? Like, so there's there's it times. Is. And th- this O-line is not designed to protect Locke. And we'll see what the Broncos do. And it really, what, what we think is irrelevant in this matter, to be honest. But I just, I don't think they should start him this year. I think he, he's, because he's already dealt with an injury this year. Why why risk him at all behind what this offensive line? And Flacco's not playing well. I agree. It actually looks like Case Keenum last year, not like Case Keenum this year. Who's playing for Washington? I I don't understand it, but um, I don't I, I he, apparently don't understand it. At least for another team, he goes down. Yeah, whatever. Um, not that that offensive line is great, and and it, maybe I'm a little hypocritical because I'm the guy that's saying I thought they should have played Haskins, but I also thought Haskins was more pro ready to start this year than Locke, who needed some seasoning. But you know, I, now I'm thinking about maybe it's best to just let both on the bench. These organizations right now, the the risk of injuring these guys is too strong, especially for Locke, who I said is is injured right now on injured reserve for a reason. Um, so, uh, is if there's no other fancy stuff, Alessandro, you want to talk about the Seahawks and Falcons? Uh, the battle of the dirty birds. I thought the Eagles were the dirty birds. No, that'd be the Falcons. They're the dirty. Oh, they're, birds. they're the dirty hitters. Okay. Listen I'm here. Still, I'm still I'm still upset about that Jamal Williams one, but I, I should I'll, I'll stop. This is your segment. Salty, I will salty eventually pants. stop talking. Oh, yeah. I'm so salty about, you know, that dirty hit. But let me drop, like, six touchdowns on the poor Raiders. <laughs> Look, all right. Seahawks are traveling to the Falcons. As we just learned, Quandre Diggs is, will be traveling with them. I don't know if he'll be starting right away. But, you know, um, that's definitely a boost in his secondary that needs help. Uh, Seahawks just lost to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in a prolific style, but don't take that as a huge thing. It's the Ravens defense is pretty good. I mean, there's no other way to cut or slice it. So uh, I'm not too overly concerned about all that. Russell Wilson is still the MVP as far as I'm concerned. That man has been doing baller things between an atrocious, atrocious O-line, but... That's another uh, another time. Um, Matty Ice is still questionable. 
so we won't know what's going to happen. Um, so for this game, who I want to start, I want to start Russell Wilson, obviously. The man's got dual threat capability and that Atlanta Falcons secondary and front seven and every other single thing you could possibly think of, special teams, offense, is being terrible right now. I don't know who their one win, win is against, but it must have been like some like narrow margin win, honestly. It was against the Eagles in a narrow margin win. Yeah. So, uh, give me Dangerous. Uh, I, I like Car- uh, Chris Carson in this. He's been a, a fantastic running back. He's a he's not fumbled in a while, but for some reason the yard the yard is no longer there. I guess it's just because he's playing better run defenses. But for this case, it's not a good run defense. It's not a good pass defense. So I could see a lot of points, a lot of prolific points going there. Um, Chris Carson, definitely going to get the nod. Russell Wilson's going to get the nod. Give me Lockett. Give me Metcalf. Um, Jaron Brown, I, I'll even root for Jaron Brown. Um, they've been their top three targets going all throughout. And if Lockett could grab 61 yards, Jaron Brown can grab 60 yards, and DK Metcalf can get 53 yards on a grand total of 12 receptions based off of, I don't know, was it 29 targets? And there's a touchdown in there mixed out. I like that. I think that they could do some good. Um, while, yes, Metcalf did fumble, it was more like the ball got punched out kind of fumble, not like he just, you know, butterfingered it. So, take it how it is, you know, um, I personally would, you know, still play those guys. That's just me because I like them. Um, especially with, if Quandre Diggs does play, that's definitely a help to the secondary. On the other side of the ball, when you're looking at the Falcons, they are coming off another loss from the Rams who just went prolific on them. And the Rams were looking like the Rams of old. Um, when I say the run defense is terrible, it is terrible. 18 carries for 41 yards for Todd Gurley who averaged about 2.3 yards per attempt, but that's because he had a lot of goal line work, goal line work but they couldn't get it in. Um, and they split between him and Daryl Henderson Jr., who also had 31 yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they didn't, they didn't so much run the ball because they're trying to preserve him, but, you know, when you have your main guy and your backup guy running the ball so efficiently, and then you just drop 291 yards for receiving with one, two, three, four, five, six guys having double digits. Um, there's something wrong with your defense. Um, as far as Falcons players, I would go. Um, I have to keep an eye on Matt Ryan. You know, he's hurt. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, he got sacked five times, got hurt, this and that. So. If he does play, then that's great. Superflex. If he doesn't play, then I'm going to match Schwab for Superflex. Schwab came in 6 for 6, 65 yards and a touchdown. That is a better passer rating than Matt Ryan did. That is huge. Um, Freeman, uh, I'm not trusting him at all. I'm pretty sure he's the one that got ejected from the game for throwing a punch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Brian Hill will probably be the main back because Freeman's going to have to suffer some kind of repercussion. But um, if I'm going to choose anyone in this back, uh, this deep core, I'm going to choose Brian Hill because Ayuto Smith is out with the injury, so he won't be playing. As far as receivers go, 
Hell, I don't even know. I don't even know if I could trust Julio at this point. But if you had to play one of these guys, I'm going Julio. I was going to say Alessandra. That's worse than the Fournette take. Well, first off. I I agree, though. It's it's not. You're right. You're right that it's not the same Julio without Matt Ryan. But still, you got to play him. But you're you're saying that, so I'll, I'll stop interrupting. Yes, shut up. Um, look, it, it it it's Julio, okay? He's a first round pick. I put him as a first round pick in my draft and my rankings. I put him as the number one. But when you got Matt Schwab, with grand total of sixty five yards. Schwab. No, I'm saying Schwab because it's cooler. Because he's cooler uh, than Matty Ice. Uh, okay. Hey, hey, Matty Ice has the nickname. He needs a nickname. Matt Schwab. When Matty Schwab, okay, comes in. It's funny how they're both Matt. Anyways, Matty Schwab, when he comes in, goes six for six, 65 yards. When, when, hold on. Let me pull up the play-by-play for that one. It was at the very end. End of game. No, that ain't it. For a touchdown. All right. So, Greg Zerline kicks the, the, the freaking thing. Touchback. Brian Hill, right guard for five yards. Matt Schwab, pass short right to Austin Hooper for four yards. And then you got Schwab. Pass to Julio Jones for 19 yards. Matt Schwab to Justin Hardy for 15 yards. Matt Schwab to Austin Hooper for 13 yards. Matt Schwab to Justin Hardy for 4 yards. Austin Hooper pass from Matt Schwab for 10 yards. Good for a touchdown. Julio got targeted once. Schwab was loving on Hooper and Hardy more than um, Hooper and Hardy more than Julio. And now, I'm not saying that's bad on their part. You know, I, I did watch the end of the game, and it did show that things were a little bit different. It was a little bit more dynamic. Julio was getting triple teamed, and, you know, these guys were left out in the open. But when you got a guy who will favor a tight end and a slot receiver more than your downfield receiver, it's not looking too good. You could play Julio, but just don't get mad at me when he doesn't give you the numbers that hardy or hooper can give you that's all i'm saying i don't okay i don't think Hardy's going to give you those numbers i agree with hooper though hooper might be the safest play on this entire roster um okay i'll say that he is the safest play to play out of everyone if you're gonna play anyone i'll play hooper that's but that's about it uh, and mostly I, because you, know, just mostly because you don't have another choice at tight end really i mean Maybe, maybe Hooper wasn't the guy late enough that you were able to grab a guy like Mark Ingram and you can kind of split the difference there. But I know the one league I have him in, I'm pretty sure Noah Fance, my other tight end. I think I've got Vance McDonald as well. It's a dynasty, but uh, but yeah. Um, the thing with Julio is, well, the thing with that game, you're, I mean, you're, you're right though. More slot receivers, tight end underneath stuff. Look what defensive line they were facing, the Rams. This Seahawks is good, but it's not the Rams good. So he may have more time in this game to allow those deep routes to to get open. I know Calvin Ridley is probably risky, but what are, what are your thoughts on him, Alessandro? Would you play Calvin Ridley? Over those two? No. Oh, definitely not over those two. But like, like I would I would view him in, in the maybe category. Like I'd like to see what else you have at receiver, but he could still provide upside. And, and Matt Schaub, not Schwab, Matt Schaub. Because honestly, well, that's, one, that's one of the worst nicknames I've ever heard. Sorry, but hey, like hey, um, I cringe every time news. you said it. You said it like five times in a row. This leave this Schwab guy. alone. The well, the, Schwab be with you. Yeah. Um, uh, Patriots oh, are signing a, a special teamer and defensive back Justin Bethel, who was recently released by the Ravens. So the Patriots get even better. Yay. Okay. 
Uh, yay. <laughs> yay, indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't think Ridley is a horrible play. I'd have to see what you had at receiver. Uh, the Seahawks, I mean, you and you mentioned they, they just got some secondary help through a trade. I don't know, especially for an outside guy like, like Ridley, how much that's going to help, especially immediately. Uh, the Seahawks have allowed the sixth fewest, or no, sorry, seventh, eighth fewest, reading this wrong, eighth fewest fantasy points to receivers. So there is that. But, uh, you know, they're also not that vulnerable against them. Like they're, 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 they're a decent defense. They're a good defense. So I could see it being tough, but I don't think it's going to be as tough as it was last week against the Rams. Uh, no, it's going to be tougher than the Rams because the Rams just now found a groove. Russell Wilson and his boys been in a groove. Well, the the That's defense, not- I mean, the defense just got, and I, I know this is not match up at all, and this is not going to be the same type of game plan, but they just wow. got... They they just got destroyed by Lamar Jackson, and they knew that was coming. And they they you know that that was their mission. They talked about it before the game. We got to make sure he doesn't run on us, and he just ran all over them. Uh, now again, Ravens offensive line better than Falcons offensive line, and offensive line mean something. So it's definitely not going to be the same result. That's why I, I kind of I agree with you with Freeman. At first, I was like, whoa, Smith's out. Freeman's going to get a ton of work, but maybe you're right. Maybe. I mean, this isn't the great matchup, so if if there is any risk that he loses snaps because of the ejection, then it, you know the efficiency is probably not there. So Freeman is definitely risky, but with without Ryan, they may just lean on him more. Well, I wouldn't play Freeman to begin with because he's been averaging one of the lowest yards per carry, lower than Le'Veon Bell behind my atrocious Jets line, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, and- you're right. It's it's been it's been all about. Can he get the touchdowns in the red zone work and enough targets? Like that's the thing. He's he gets three, four targets a game, and that's what keeps his fantasy value afloat every week. Uh definitely don't want him in, in uh non PPR leagues though, but at least the receptions are, are consistent and that's gonna stay. I mean, I don't see him especially with, with Brian Hill there now and not Edo Smith, I don't see how Freeman's gonna get any less targets than he does normally. If and if anything, this whole dump off idea I think free feeds into Freeman more. Like I definitely like him better than Justin Hardy. Hey, back off of my ECU friend. Well, I'm I'm also high on Freeman. It's not an insult against Hardy, <laughs> but I just I, I, the starting running back on the team that could could again could potentially see ninety percent of the snaps. We don't know how they're going to treat it. I know there's a there's a realm possibility where it's pretty even with Hill, but I think there's just as likely and if not even likelier a scenario where Freeman just gets the workload, that that the heavy workload until EO Smith's back. Kayla, do you want to chime in though on this on these games? Yeah, I really like the Austin Hooper call. Um, he's kind of emerged out of nothing this season a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you took a chance on him when he had his first big game, you're really applauding yourself because his play the last couple weeks has been the most consistent out of anybody on that offense. Um, he's a favorite target for whatever quarterback is in there. Um, so I like that call. I also want to bring up, not for this week, but uh, the tight end in Seattle now, Luke Wilson. Uh, my heart goes out to Will Disley. I love that man. Uh, but Wilson, uh, he's kind of being eased into the lineup. So when you look at his stats, you're like, oh, he had no catches against Baltimore. He had two against Cleveland, one against the Rams, two against Arizona. Um, but uh, there, there's reports coming out that they're going to use him more on as kind of a receiver and not just a blocking tight end. So kind of adjust him into the way they're using Will Disley and Atlanta's defense just isn't stopping anyone. And they're 23rd against the pass. So 
look at what he does this week because next week they play Seattle plays at home against Tampa Bay on a cross country road trip and Tampa Bay is 31st against the pass. So if you are looking for flyers for tight ends, I'd keep an eye on him this week, really pay attention to how Seattle utilizes him. And he might be, he might be considered for you as a flyer for next week. All right. Uh, if nothing else, Alessandro, did you have anything else to talk about about this game? Did we uh, jump the gun oh, there? Well, the only thing I would like to add in, whoo, bit spicy, um, is when we look at these games, we look at them as they are and not as they should be. So the the Patriots creamed the Jets, but the Jets were like one of the best run defense, one of the past defense coming to their game. The Rams creamed the shit out of the Falcons, but when coming into this game, the Rams were in a slump. They weren't, you know, that good. They weren't clicking on offense. So don't, like, we, we temper expectations for the hardly fought games, but we don't temper expectations for these types of games. The Falcons are not terrible. When I say mm-hmm. that, I mean the front seven is not terrible. Everything else is terrible. So, well, everything else is injured too. Like that, that secondary is decimated again. So we have to like look at these games as a whole and not a per game basis. Because if we look at that, then we could see them going from high up to down low to wherever God's no man. So we have to look at these games and looking at these as a whole. I can say that Matty Ice needs to go, and Mister Schwab needs to get in. Because when Schwab gets in there, he's a lot better than Matty Ice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and, I and, and it helps Julio in production that at all because Matt Ryan has played well this year. He didn't play good against the Rams, agreed, but he's had pretty good performances against other teams where their defense has let them down. Sometimes the kicking game has let them down. Uh, I don't think that the sample size of what 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 did Schwab play? One quarter, maybe two quarters. I definitely don't think completion percentage in in a two quarter spam against this one game against the Rams is is telling of of saying that Schaub's better than Matt Ryan or playing better than Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, if Schaub starts here, we see him play for a full week. That'll that'll be telling. And again, Seahawks decent defense, so it's he plays bad. It's not like we're getting a ton of information. We just know okay, the Seahawks are a good defense, and they took the you know they did what they were supposed to against the Falcons here. But I definitely, I mean, the, as you mentioned. Even for Hooper, I don't think this is an upgrade necessarily. Hooper, it's probably, I mean, the entire situation over the last 48 hours for him is probably an upgrade. Simply because Sanu not being there is going to mean more targets for him. Matt Ryan not in, I think, hurts the efficiency overall of that offense. Doesn't help it. Uh, But then, you know, having a guy like Schaub might, again, push even more volume to Hooper. So I think what he's getting in volume is, is making him benefit a little bit. But certainly everyone else is... Is down a peg, not enough to again bench Julio, but again, not you weren't saying that, not about like you were about Fournette last week. Uh, we, we got a Jets Jaguars game to talk about later. We can get to that, but uh, right oh, now, yes, oh, Char- yes, <laughs> Chargers and Bears. Uh, just because we still have, I think, five games left in this episode, we should move on a little quicker. So, uh, the Bears, for all their vaunted defense, has allowed the eighth most fantasy points per game to running backs. So I'm all in on Austin Eckler this week. Uh, I have Melvin Gordon as a maybe, but even it'd be tough to bench Melvin Gordon, I think. I think you can start both pretty comfortably. They've allowed the, I think it's the sixth or fifth fewest 
fantasy points to wide receivers. Like it's it it's been tough for teams to find time to get open. It, and the Chargers' offensive line has been hurt this year, just not playing really well. So uh, the outside guys like a Mike Williams, I'd be I'd be scared to play him. I have him as a maybe, but even that, it's I don't know. I'm not super confident in him. I feel much more comfortable about Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry over the middle, underneath stuff to wide receiver, tight ends, Austin Eckler again. Like I'd be shocked if Eckler, Allen, Henry weren't the top three targets on this team next week. So. Um, the Bears, the defense has been playing well, but the offense has been playing so poorly. The teams are kind of getting that defense on the field more and just being put into bad situations. The teams are putting production against them. So I'm not I'm not afraid to play any of those three guys for sure. And even Melvin Gordon, I, I strongly consider. Like I, Again, I have Melvin Gordon and Mike Williams both as maybes, but I feel like they're on opposite ends of that. Whereas Melvin Gordon, he's a maybe. You start him, I think. I, think so whereas mike williams you want to sit him unless you're like really desperate oh i really have no one else okay i'll throw in mike williams at least he has the chance he hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year but we know he's got the chance to do that uh on the chicago side i think alan robinson's the only guy you can play now the chargers run defense hasn't been very good so i think <laughs> i keep going back to david montgomery and maybe this is going to be one of the guys i'm most wrong about this year but yeah. I, I i think david montgomery is worth a play this week uh, against simply the matchup. I think in tough run defensive matchups, you can no longer trust him. But the Chargers have allowed the 11th most fantasy points per game to running backs. They're just below the wa- Washington. So if you're if, 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 if you're anything where you're, you're really close to Washington, it's probably not very good. So run defense is something the Chargers have really struggled with all year. Uh, I guess, again, injuries decimate that team. So I think this might be a good week to play Montgomery. Even Tariq Cohen's not bad, but... Trubisky's playing so poorly, it's tough to trust any other receiving options like Trey Burton and Anthony Miller. Uh, I'd also sit Phillip Rivers because this is another defense. You know, if he can get protection and there's not big pass rush in his face, yes, Phillip Rivers will be fine. He'll make all the right decisions. Decent, solid producer. Again, the type of guy that Kale and I both like taking in single quarterback leagues late. Consistency, I'm not for that big, you know, I'm not for a guy like Josh Allen in a single quarterback league. I don't like that risky sort of thing. I want to build my team solidly and know I have a quarterback that can at least get me consistent production every week. But Philip Rivers hasn't been doing that. He's disappointed the both of us, Kayla. Uh, yeah, and well, I think, that's mainly you know, because of that offensive line, but yeah, that's for another absolutely. time. But, but and, and yes, and I agree. I think it is because of the offensive line. But that, that being said, that that's the situation this week. And, it's, and the Bears are not a team you want to go into a game with a hobbled offensive line against. I mean, um. Is Pouncey out for the year? I know he's out right now. Uh, if he's out for the year, it's obviously a huge blow for them overall. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of the Pouncey brothers is on IR, but one of them is always on IR, so I don't know which one is done for the year or not. I think it's Mike's. or Yeah, I think it's Mike. So uh, Chargers, they're having to... They need to find a new center. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's uh, my take on the Bears and Chargers. Kayla, do you want to add anything else? Um, yeah, I really like the Hunter Henry call. Um, I think he's, well, if you didn't have Keenan Allen, uh, the Chargers would be uh, another team in the league who their best receivers are tight end. I really like Hunter Henry. I'm glad that uh, he was able to recover from his injury. Um, I think he was really going to add just another passing option, another security blanket for the Chargers offense. I really hope they can figure out something on the offensive line so they can utilize him um, to their advantage. I think they have a lot of weapons. It's just their offensive line is just really just doing them in. Um, I The Chargers are a lot better than their record. Um, I think they have another, they have a tough matchup against the Bears. I'm really disappointed that they lost the Titans. They had no business losing that game. 
Uh, the Bears' defense is a lot better than the Titans' defense, but hopefully its flaws on offense will give them the win. Um, I'm not too keen on starting Rivers either. Even though if I had to marry a famous person, I would marry Philip Rivers. Um, and he comes with, like, 10 kids, so I'm already set. But I like the Austin Eckler call, too. Um, I think you have to start Melvin Gordon. I know you have him as a maybe, but uh, I think playing both of them, they they just will get a lot of work, I think. Um and plus with some bias going on, and you probably held on to Melvin Gordon and drafted him, hoping that he was going to play at some point. Um, so I think probably I'd have to see your roster, but you're probably going to have to start Melvin Gordon. I don't think he's necessarily a bad option for the Bears. I mean, both him and Eckler can be passing backs if need be. So um, I kind of disagree with you on the maybe, but I get it. I I would just lean to start to starting both him and Eckler. To be honest, I think you're right there. I think Gordon is, and again, I'm looking at it, and the fact that he's next to Mike Williams, I'm kind of, one one of these feels like a mistake, right? Because I I, kind of, I view Gordon as a much stronger start than Mike Williams, so it's either I need to move Williams out of the maybe, uh, or I think I think what you're saying is the logical thing: move Gordon to the start. So uh, that's a little error on my part. So yeah, that's why I like having you. You got me covered. (laughs) Oh, you're good. I'm not trying to correct you, Um, but I like Mike Williams as a maybe. I don't think he's a strong start, but um, he does get the looks from Rivers. I mean, he even got looks when Hunter Henry came back. So um, is he a strong play? No, but is he a sit? No. So I like where you have him in maybe. All right, Alessandro, what's your take? All right, here's a hot take for you. Don't start Melvin Gordon. <sighs> yes. Look, I I started him last week because I thought he was going to do well for me. And he didn't. I mean, not well enough, at least. But here's the thing. He got me, you know, he got 32 yards rushing, right? So he's averaged about two yards a carry. <gasps> he got negative three yards receiving. I mean, negative three yards. Well, that, that, that tells me play. that yeah, dump off pass <laughs> when it's desperate and he's going to get tackled anyway. I don't, I don't put that on him either. But, uh, but, no, 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 but, no, but that, I, that also talks about his usage, not just his ability. So I get that. Why that's a you look at that so negatively. And, and, and I get it, but he had three targets, called in two of them for negative three yards, and his longest was one yard, and that was the touchdown one. Yeah. Look, he got 8.9 points for me in a full PPR setting. And the only reason why he got me 8.9 is because of the touchdown and interceptions. If he didn't do that, he would have been just negative completely. Why? Because of the fumbles. He had two fumbles, and he uh, he only lost one of them. Only one actually counted against him, okay? But I still negative fumbles. That's not good from your number one back. And now we have more serviceable back in Austin Eckler besides it's not even like, you know, this is a Julio situation. Melvin Gordon was taken roughly between the 7th and 8th rounds in most drafts. You can bench him. And if you're really feeling frisky, cut him. For uh, a better s- guy. 7th seems late. I I definitely saw him go in 3rd, 4th round a lot of times. For maybe not 3rd, but 4th round, maybe 5th round if people were being conservative but i don't think i don't think if you went in seventh round in your pick then that's great discipline by all by you and your league mates to uh, see a guy like that but ooh, there's no that the risk and it's I mean, a nice he game went of chicken eighth and four of the five drafts on espn that i did well he went mm. sixth in one league eighth and 
four leagues, and I think I he did go fourth in a league, but the guy dropped him like three weeks in for Austin Eckler. Well, <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, no, the, the the big mistake there is how how is Austin Eckler on the waiver wire as a free eight agent man three weeks into the season? That doesn't make any sense. It was an eight man league. Still, so we 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 had stacked offenses, you know, Le'Veon Bell and all that. We're like, well, no one really needed Eckler. I'm surprised yeah. he didn't. He should, have, he should have been right. drafted. He should never even got out past week one, to be honest. I know, but I I mean, here's the thing. I have him in quite a few leagues that were dynasty leagues over the summer before we knew anything about the holdout, and I was just like, ah, pass catching back. I love him. Pre PR, let's do it, right? So that's kind of how I viewed him, and I was I took him in quite a few places, and now I'm kind of reaping the the benefit of that. Um, you toot my own horn there. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about Fournette later to continue that theme. Uh, but now let's. Oh, you, uh, really, you really want to go there? Okay. Hey, oh. hey, you pushed so hard last week, so. Uh, and, you, and you didn't. No, that's true. And and to, to you know, to your credit, he didn't finish as a top five running back, so I, I guess I shouldn't take too much of a victory there. But anyway. Um, lap. All right, uh, I'm not not to cut you all off, but I'm gonna come in with some breaking news before I preview this game. Uh, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network just reported that the Lions are on the phone with the Dolphins for Kenyon Drake. So nice. that could be a trade that we talk about on Friday. Um, but I think regardless, Kenyon Drake's going to be on the move before the trade deadline. And I'm not too mad about it because of uh, what Mark Walton is showing me. But I am afraid that Mark Walton might go to jail. So stay tuned on that because he's been arrested three times and is under the NFL investigation, some policy right now. But I uh, just thought it's interesting that, you know, we just talked about Ty Johnson, but there are reports coming in that the Dolphins are trying to acquire Kenyon Drake. So stay tuned on that. Yeah, I definitely um, think Mark Walton faces a suspension next year because a lot of these arrests happened like in the this like 2019, early 2019, right? Maybe oh, something it was in 2018? after he was he joined the Dolphins. He was arrested three times in three months. So wow, oh that doesn't even count because he he was he was cut by the Bengals because he was arrested for something else. So he's he's had maybe four or five run-ins with the law this year. So I know the NFL likes to take their time with those things. Like that, this is something where if something happens in an off season that's detrimental to the league. It's usually the next season that the suspension gets held down. So you could definitely see a suspension coming for Walton next year. But uh, as of this year, I mean, just just off that, Kayla, uh, do you view Walton as a as, as we did with Drake, where? Unless the matchup was really horrible, you, you you didn't mind playing him every week, especially in a PPR setting. Yeah, honestly, I'm thinking about uh, uh, picking up Mark Walton just because I have some injuries to running backs or, you know, drafted David Montgomery, which is a great choice on my part. Um, but he the last two weeks, he's led the Dolphins in carries, yards. Um, he didn't get into the end zone. Uh, Ballage has a two-game touchdown streak, whatever that is. But... Um, uh, Mark Walton, I think he had 14 carries last week. Um, and so, you know, he's showing that even behind a horrendous offensive line that, you know, he's he's starting to become an option for them. They're starting to find some sort of a run game. I mean, 60 yards is better than 20 yards. And the Dolphins, the first two weeks, their leading rusher had less than 20 yards. So uh, I think, you know, you might not need to start him every week, but he's not a bad choice, especially if Kenyon Drake gets traded. Drake is the second uh, leading rusher on the team, I think, at least 80% of the carries go to Walton. But we can talk about that on the next episode when uh, I preview the Dolphins game. But I want to get to the Eagles at Bills game on Sunday. Um, 
I don't have any must starts for Philadelphia. Um, I think in the maybe column, you got Zach Ertz. Um, he may be your only tight end, so you have to start him, but he isn't producing for fantasy owners, and a lot of teams are doing a good job taking him away as an option. Uh, he's caught 11 passes on 21 targets in the last three games. Not horrible. He has one touchdown, but he's averaging 5.5 uh, points in standard leagues. Uh, add a couple if you're PPR, but still that's borderline double digits, and that's you know not what I was expecting when I took him in the third or fourth round of my draft. Um, on the flip side, though, for the opposite reason, Dallas Goddard, uh, he has nine catches on 12 targets in the last two weeks for 117 yards and similarly a touchdown. Um, he's a successful tight end right now because of the way teams are taking away Ertz. Um, and if you've got some guys on by this week, uh, he's he's a deeper flyer play, but probably with the guys out there on the waiver wire, uh, you might consider him um, even against a tough Bills team. Um I like Alshon Jeffrey as a maybe. Um, he is 18 of 25, so 18 catches uh, on 25 targets in his last three games, but the production isn't there. Um, with the tough defensive matchup, I think he might still be targeted highly, which might make you put him up in the uh, stardom, especially with you know injuries to some other Eagles wide receivers and guys like Will Fuller going down. Um, but I think he's a maybe at best. I also think Jordan Howard, um, he gets the most carries, but again, minimal production, which is going to kill him in fantasy. Uh, Buffalo allows just 91 yards on the ground per game, which would be solid, but he's in a running back committee. Um, so if you cut that in half, that's only about 40, 45 yards. Uh, not something that I want in a starting running back for this week. Um, he is due for a touchdown, so I think if he gets into the end zone, uh, that's obviously going to bolster his stat line. Um, so I think you're kind of relying on him for a touchdown in this game, and I never like relying on touchdown or bust guys, so I think it's hard to make him a must-start. I'm also maybe on Carson Wentz. Um, Buffalo's defense gave up a lot through the air with Miami last week, but that's just because the Dolphins don't run the football. So I feel like those stats are outliers. Um, and Wentz has been struggling against high-pressure defenses. And since I don't like his wide receiver or uh, passing options, I think he has a chance to really struggle in this game. Um, I'm sitting Deshaun Jackson. He still has his abdomen injury, so that's kind of, you know, a duh kind of moment um I don't think he comes back this week even though it's Tuesday there are reports that um he's probably going to miss at least another week so I would avoid him um I'm sitting Nelson Aguilar personally I've never been a fan but opinions aside he has just seven catches for 84 yards in his last three games um that averages out to less than three catches a game and that's not somebody I want on my starting lineup um, and then Miles Sanders, he's sharing time with Howard, like I said, but he also isn't the, the better starter who gets the ball the most. So if he already has minimal carries and minimal yards with poor production, it's not going to get better against Buffalo. Um, smoothly moving to Buffalo, I'm starting their defense. Um, I think they have a lockdown game and can get to the quarterback. Uh, the pressure alone that they put on uh, starting quarterbacks or running backs, they force turnovers. Um, I really like them as a flyer this week. Um, I'm also going to start Frank Gore. He's still the lead back, even though Devin Singletary came back from his hamstring injury, but Singletary barely did anything in his return. Um, 
I think Singletary could be used as a maybe. Um, he was probably just a little rusty since he hadn't played since week two. I think he could be used as a change of pace back, but I don't think he's a must-start. I think he's just a maybe. Um, I like Gore just because he has 224 yards in his last three games. He's also due for a touchdown. Um, I think he's a solid running back week in and week out. Even though he's on Buffalo, I think he's a staple of their offense. Um I also have Josh Allen as a maybe. Uh, Philly defense isn't great. They give up 271 yards per game through the air, which is 27th best in the league. Um, He also has the opportunity for going back and forth with Wentz through the air. Um, I definitely think that's going to rely on Allen's wide receivers and if they can get the tight ends in the game. Um, But other than that, I think he's just a maybe. They don't have both teams don't have a great pass game, so that could be why they go back and forth. Um, I also am thinking John Brown, maybe he has at least 50 yards in all games. He's the most reliable receiver for Buffalo, and he has at least 70 yards in four of his games played this year. Um, I would sit Cole Beasley opposite side him, though. Touchdown saved his game last week, um, but he only had three catches for 16 yards. So uh, his catch rate is also going down in back-to-back weeks. Um, He's not getting as many looks as he was uh, prior to the year. Uh, so I'm also, or previously this year, um, I'm also going to sit tight ends Dawson Knox and Tyler Croft. Uh, Croft is back from being healthy, but both are reported to split time in a report that came out on CBS Sports today. Um, so with neither of them producing high on their own, now that they're in a committee, I just think it's going to get worse. Um, so other than that, uh, what do you guys think? The only thing I like strongly disagree with is Frank Gore because the Eagles are not a very kind matchup to running backs. They've allowed the sixth fewest fantasy points to running backs this year in half point PPR leagues. It's been really tough sledding for them. So I'd much rather play a guy like John Brown uh, because that's where the Eagles are vulnerable. They've allowed the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. Uh, those that that those corners are injured and that secondary has been hurting, especially on the outside. So, uh, but I, I do agree with you, though. I, I'm still not like super sold on John Brown because this Philly pass rush could get at Josh Allen and not allow him to get the ball downfield. So I don't really feel confident starting anybody. But I definitely I, if honestly, I think I'd put Gore in a, in a must sit, not a must start. That's but uh, everything else you said about that game, I, I agree with, although I, I, I am feeling more Miles Sanders than Jordan Howard. Because as you mentioned, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with touchdown dependent guys as much as you, but I have a problem with them in bad matchups. And that's what this is for Jordan Howard. So I'd ventured him into maybe even less high than you and maybe less in the maybe and more on the, the sit. Whereas Sanders catching passes might do more against the, the Bills, though I'm not super confident in, in him either. Uh, I do. I, I, at first I was like, what? No automatic starts on the Eagles, but this is the Bills. This is a really tough defense. So I, I kind of agree, even though you probably can't afford to bench Zach Ertz. And you mentioned that. Like, it's, it's a maybe, but hey, are you really going to have another option? But uh, you're right. I've got Ertz in a couple spots, and I don't feel super great about playing him, even though I, again, have no choice. But yeah, I don't know, Frank Gore scares me this week. I'm really not, not liking it. I just think if Buffalo's going to score, it's going to be Frank Gore. And I think their most reliable offensive players gore at this point so i don't think they're going to be shut out so i think Gore's going to get at least a lot of carries some looks in the past game if they're in the red zone which i think they have the opportunity to get into um i think gore's their best option there too 
If not, it's going to be one of those guys who, you know, I'm saying to sit like a tight end, and that'll be his only catch of the game. So. Mm. Okay. I, I Again, I, I disagree with saying that their best – I don't think their best option to score is with Gore. I think their best option is a long play to, to John Brown. And I think it's going to be tough in the red zone. That Eagles front is – as much as the uh, the Bills O line has improved, I don't know. I'm I'm really scared about Gore this week, so I have to fight you on this one. Is this is this where we have a judgment call? Maybe. Oh yes. Do we have ju- Judge Alessandro. I think we disagree vehemently enough here. So, uh, Judge Alessandro is being summoned. Uh, both Kayla and I, I think, have pleaded our cases well enough. So, uh, what what is your judgment on this? Do we start Frank Gore? Or do we sit Frank Gore? <coughs> The jury has come back from the panel and has decided that Mr. Gore shall be sat this week. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Judge. You're welcome. Uh, sorry, Kayla. You got me last time, though. Uh, but We'll see. Maybe, maybe you'll prove us wrong this week. Well, let's hope. But I did say it was coming. At some point, I would lose a judgment. So, congratulations. Um, so, you know, our previous judgment was Leonard Fournette. Um, I want to talk about Leonard Fournette. So we've already hinted at it. So the Alessandro and I, we talked about it last week. And over Twitter, I, I, you know, said I think Fournette's going to be a top five running back this week. I was wrong. He was RB nine. Okay, I admit I was wrong that he wasn't top five. But Alessandro with hashtag Bencham. I mean, yes. against the Bengals with all those bye weeks last week. And you had was... hashtag pro predictions. Don't even go there. Well, anyway. <laughs> you were wrong because, again, he finished as the RB9. I mean, right now he's the RB. He's the RB7 right now in half-point PPR. He's outscored David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, Hunter Henry. He's outscored Alvin Kamara, who missed a game. So let's. That's asterisk. Yeah, what now? <laughs> but hey, that, I mean, again, RB9 or RB7. So I don't know. You're not going to tell me you bench. I, again, this is a much tougher matchup than it was last week. Last week it was the Bengals. It was kind of a, to me, automatic start. He was underpriced in DFS. I know I, I won big in DFS this week. Big for me. I don't really put that much money into it. So I was, uh, I was pretty happy this week. And one of it was having Fournette in my lineup. I, I, it was definitely the Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton, DeAndre Hopkins stack that I think really won me the day. But yeah, uh, Fournette. So what are, you, what are you saying, Alessandro? Just before anything else, are you saying sit Fournette this sit. week or start? Ah. Look, even though, even though the Jets have allowed the sixth most fantasy points to running backs in half-point PPR leagues? Yes, but most of those points came through the air. If you look at them closely, rushing wise, we've been one of the better rushing defenses in the league. We, the DVOA does say that it does. You guys are in the top. I uh, haven't seen this week's yet, but entering last week, you were in the top seven or eight, I think. Last week, we've allowed five hundred and fifty-one total rushing yards. And what the hell? I mean, uh, Zeke, Zeke's the only per, uh, running back that's gotten 100 yards against you this year. So that, there is, and that's Zeke, right? Like, there's a reason he's, I took him 101 in the Scott Fishbowl, right? <laughs> Which, again, you're probably right that it's a mistake, but. Uh... Look, we're going, we're going to get to that in another episode. For right now, coming into last game, before I got my ass handed to me, Jets allowed 553 total rushing yards. That's one, two, three, four, five, six best in the NFL. The ones ahead of him were the Buccaneers at 408, 
the Raiders at 520, the Patriots, <clears throat> the Patriots at 523, and the 49ers 540, and the Bills at 548. We were one of the best. People right behind us, Bears, Ravens, Texans. I mean, that's pretty good company keep. And that's and then that the, this is rushing. In total yards allowed per uh, rushing game, uh, we've allowed 92.2. The only people ahead of us, Bills, Saints, Niners, Vikings, Eagles, Raiders, Texans, Ravens, Patriots, hello, and Buccaneers at 68. And then right behind us is the Bears, Titans, and Rams. That's pretty good company in terms of rushing defense. Um, so... In, in, in terms of rushing defense, when we go up against Fournette, Fournette's, he's playing behind an abysmal O-line. Uh, I wouldn't say that. He's playing behind a below-average O-line. Um, yeah, yes. that's probably accurate. Yes. Uh, and Football Outsiders has them at 16 in adjusted. So technically, that's above average. It's above average. No, no, that's average. That's average. It's essentially average. So, but still, it's... There, there are much worse units. There are. And so, again, before this game, oh, in terms of passing defense, 1,560 yards were allowed, and people above us. And so, I mean, that, that's one of the better ones, believe it or not. People above us, 49ers, Patriots, and I'm going for number one. Patri- yeah. uh, 49ers, Patriots, Bills, Browns, Panthers, Broncos, Bears, Steelers, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins. The when you when you don't have to far go to score a touchdown, that's pretty good. And then us. <laughs> Two, four, uh, six, eight, ten, twelve. Okay, so we were 12th best in terms of passing yards allowed. You know, um, now yards per game. That's another story. We were in the bottom half of that. We've allowed 260 yards per game. So that's technically bottom tier so i mean we're better run defense so when you look at it like that Minshew's going to throw on us all day long versus fournette who's going to run at us um, but to that i will say who i mean yes obviously dj chark but leonard fournette right now has the fifth most targets of all running backs in the nfl only christian mccaffrey austin eckler um alvin kamara and David Johnson. Those are the only four running backs with more targets. So, while I, you are right, this it, it'll be one through the air, but Fournette's still involved through the air. So I don't think he gets shut out here. So I definitely am more on the side of uh, more of a must start than a must sit here. I don't. Do we have but, to, but, but, another I mean, judgment call? Do we? Do we but, bring K- Judge Kayla in here? Well, hold on. But let me present my present one more two more facts. Okay. All right. Dallas is on bye week, so you're not going to have Zeke. Uh, Baltimore's on a bye week, so you're not going to have Ingram. Everyone else is in. So you're going to have, my, minus two running backs, you're going to have 12 of the top 15. <laughs> Which includes Fournette. And you're but not going to have Kamara. And you're not going to have Kamara. He's he's hurt. Yes, that's why I'm saying 12 and not 13. Um, well, again, he's running back seven. So where where's this 13 coming from? I'm, 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 doing, honestly, top, I'm doing top 15. Okay, but I mean, like, okay, okay. Name name me fifteen running backs you'd rather have than Fournette, because I I don't see that. No, no, no. I'm talking top fifteen running backs. Well, where do you see Fournette then? Like, I, I give him RB ten. I give him RB ten. But, but how is that? How are you sitting the RB ten? That's that's my whole understanding. I don't understand how you're sitting him. Because in well, terms of usage, I mean, 
for ne- for me, he's good and he'll get you the points, but he's not going to do it for you. Wow, that's only nine dollars for a ticket. Sorry, that's I guess fair, but again, okay, and again, this this I guess for me it has to be context of who you're starting over him. Uh, if, okay, if you've got a team where you've got Dalvin Cook and I guess Chris Carson, heck, Aaron Jones against the the uh, the the charge or the Chiefs. Like, okay, if you got those three, I I suppose I I can see that. But like, I don't know if. Even like a guy like Derrick Henry, I'd much rather have Fournette this week. Henry against the Bucks, who are the number one ranked rush defense against in D, in DVOA, but I think a lot of uh, just standard metrics as well. They're, I think they've allowed the fewest rush yards in the league. So, like I, you know, you, you telling me you're starting Henry over Fournette because I don't buy that at all. That's someone who's much less involved in the passing game and has a has a worse matchup. As much as your Jets are good, they're not the Bucks run defense good right now. Judge Kayla, what do you, what do you think? Do you think are you starting Fournette this week or sitting him? All rise for Judge Kayla. Um, I'm starting Leonard Fournette this week. All right, that's two wins for me today. Um, I'd be a liar if I said I was a lawyer, but anyway, uh, Alessandro, you want to keep going with the rest of your Jets Jags matchup that I, I hijacked? Jets Jaguars. Uh, the Jets are flying to the Jaguars, trying to look for their second win. Um. Like I said, irregardless of what you got going right now for the Jets, don't sleep on them. Um, total yards allowed between the Jets and the Jaguars. The Jets have allowed 351.3 total yards per game allowed. That's 269.2. This is with the Patriots metrics factor in. Um, 269.2 passing yards allowed. 92.2 rushing yards allowed. The Jaguars have allowed 380 uh, yards allowed, which is more. Passing yards, it's 263, so they're right about the same metric for uh, passing yards, but they are a lot higher, 117.1 rushing yards allowed. Um, Points per game, it's been a little bit lopsided, but that's what Sammy out. Um, in, In this game, there's a lot of factors to look at. Um... But here's the biggest one. Who are you going to play? And in terms of who I'm going to play, I, I will play Sam Darnold. Um, he had an abysmal game against the Patriots, but find me a team that could compete with against the Patriots in the AFC. Um, honestly, the only teams I think could compete against Patriots are in the NFC right now, currently. Uh, every every single good person's heart, you know. But you can make cases for some teams, so we're just going to leave it at that. We're not going to dive deeper but for right now um so give me Darnold you know he had a rough game and I feel like there's gonna be a little bit of a revenge showing going next week um give me uh give me Le'Veon Bell like I said rushing yard terms Le'Veon Bell is posed to have a massive game today or excuse me not today uh Sunday uh when you look at it the he, he's lacking in production, but with, you know, some of the guardsmen getting hurt and they're changing out guardsmen, uh, the Jets' O-line is getting better. Um, Alex Lewis, like I was telling Kyle before the show, he is becoming one of the highest-grade guardsmen in the league, and he's a rookie, and that's saying a lot. So with him coming in and uh, – I always get his name wrong. Chewy Odoga. Chuga Odoga or something like that. The, the the offensive guard that protected Sam in college. He's also getting a lot of PFF high grades too. 
Um, so coupled that between them and, you know, when they try to sit their veterans or swap them out and just shift the line, uh, the line is getting better. So I definitely see Le'Veon Bell. Plus Le'Veon Bell is powering through for 10 yards of carry, give or take. Uh, right now he's averaging 3.5 yards per carry on the season. Um, so give me Darnold, give me Bell. Uh, I would take Crowder and I'll take Robbie for in this instance. Um, the status is up in the air for Herndon, which is unknown. But if I get Herndon there, that's definitely going to be a huge help and to contain, could possibly change his entire offense just because he has to check down to either Herndon or Bell, and both of them are big body guys that power through for a good number of yardage. So big questions on the mark that we have to see in the practice coming into this week. Um, Mosley re-injured, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he re-injured. He's, he's got soreness where his groin injury was, so he may be out again. Who knows? But um, the run defense is doing pretty good, and I do like it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I would – if you got a stream of defense, I would find a better defense. But uh, right now, you, you could possibly go for the Jets defense. But like I said, find a better defense first, please. Um, and the Jacksonville side – uh, Jacksonville uh, shellac the Bengals, but that's not really saying much with the Bengals being hurt um, and them being the Bengals. Um, sorry <laughs> for all you Bengals fans. Um, I don't think you're the one that needs to apologize. I think that's the Bengals team that needs to apologize to their fans. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Bengals apologize to your fans. They still believe in you, but apologize. Uh, anyway, so... Um, for the most part, I mean, for the most part, this game was the same. Like, they were dead even. Uh, second quarter is when he finally starts scoring three points. Then Mixon scored. Then Lambeau scored another field goal, 6-7. Third quarter, uh, field goal by Lambeau made it 9-7. Uh, third quarter, Randy Bullock made a field goal. This game was close up until interceptions and uh, uh, the fuckery happened. So... This was a really tightly contested game, and this is the Bengals. So if the Bengals can do that, then I feel like the Jets are a much better team. Um, but talking about the Jaguars, uh, I'll play Gardner Minshew. I'm sitting Lam Fournette. I don't care what you guys' are, objections are. I'm sitting him. Um, D.D. Westbrook, I'm starting him. Chris Conley, I'm starting him. D.J. Chark, I'm starting him. The Jets' secondary is rough, um, so there's going to be a lot of yards to the air. I mean, it's not like, you know, where Atlanta Fournette goes two for two with 14 yards. I mean, that's totally, you know, great yardage right there or anything like that. But um, definitely the other guys, the the, the the wide receivers in this game, um, definitely will play them. And um, I, I wouldn't the – the Jaguars defense for me is hit or miss. They had that excellent defense a while ago, but now it's kind of drifted off, but it's kind of coming back. And – They've added some injuries, and they just recently signed a uh, lineback- a veteran linebacker to their core to help them through a boosted uh, injury. Um, can't remember what's his name. I'm currently looking it up, but uh, they just recently signed him. Malcolm Smith. Uh, they added him uh, due to a linebacker core that was hurt. So is that is that Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith? I will tell you in a second. Former Seahawks guy? Picked off Peyton Manning? Had the pick yes. six? 
Right. Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith and Donald Payne will show up linebacker core that was hammered by injuries. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. 2017, this defense had everything. But I mean, now the secondary, they've lost pieces. They've had linebackers retire on them, but that defensive line is still present. So I certainly look to start them this week. Uh, maybe not as strong as I'll, I'll go back to something Kayla said earlier. She was talking about the Colts defense against the Broncos. I, I, I think I like that matchup a little better. Yeah, uh, because I, I, I think like I have that. at this point less faith in the Broncos offense than I do the Jets offense, who have talented pieces. They've like you, Alessandro's mentioned, the the Jets schedule has been atrocious. They've faced tough defenses, and this is a tough defensive line. So I still think the Jags' defense is worth playing. Uh, they'll probably rack up some sacks. May not be a one you you know you play too heavily with the pick six. I know last week I was all in on the Jags' defense playing the Bengals, but I certainly think the Jets are a better team. So I, I still I but I still think they're worth it because they probably will get some sacks. Yeah, I, I, if if you could find a better defense somewhere else, I would definitely go somewhere else, um, because this is going to be a highly high yardage game in terms of throwing the ball. I mean, uh, Jalen Ramsey's there. I know they got AJ Boye still there, but he can't cover everything, and you know he's the only good DB there. As are, far are you as afraid of Robbie Anderson's production because of that, though? No. Okay, you think Anderson is just fast enough to get by him and get the deep balls going? Anderson's I, I, I don't I'm not entirely sure Anderson's fast enough to get by him, but I, I am sure that Anderson can do what he did against the uh, Cowboys, um, who do have a better uh pass defense than the Jaguars. Yeah, I but not they, a better corner than AJ Boye though. That's the only thing. No, it's not better than AJ Boye, but overall they're better. So and he was able to get past three of them plus uh, uh two corners and a safety. So because all he did was a hitch route. I mean, a little uh, two-toe hitch route where he just went in and went back out, and he was able to get the ball like he was just running straight drag route. So do I think that he's faster than A.G. Boy? It's a possibility. I'm not entirely sure. Do I think that he could outmaneuver A.G. Boy? Yes. Um, he does have a quicker slant than A.G. Boy does. And um, with their linebackers trying to get, you know, covering Le'Veon Bell and Whoever my tight end is at the time, maybe it be um, Griffin or Brown. Um, I think that leaves a massive hole in the zone for Robbie to cut through and you know score those points. And if not, then we got Le'Veon on checkdown. And I think uh, those two together, coupled with Crowder in the slot, that it, it's going to create mayhem for them, which I definitely like. And uh, when you look at it as a whole, like, like you said. They're going to get some sacks, and I have no doubt that they're going to get some sacks. And Canars Campbell and um, uh, what, what's that other guy's name? Yakun. Um, y- the- y- Yannick and Gakwe. Yannick Naku. Yeah. Yannick and Gakwe. Thank you. Yannick and It's Gokwe. like Yamayama. It's like my Twitter account. Like you, you barely pronounce the N. Well, Anakin Skywalker and Canars Campbell are going just, you know. Plow through my O line. Calais Campbell, Canaris Campbell. I, I know that was another nickname attempt, but it, you're really failing at those. <laughs> I, I, the Skywalker one's all right. Just I, I love Star Wars, so anytime you can make a Star Wars or Spaceballs reference, I'm in. Who made that man a gunner? <laughs> I, knew um, it, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was coming. Yeah, I like that <laughs> come one. On, come on, man. After that second I, week, I love that Patriot. as much as my own cousin. <laughs> He's my cousin. Who made that man a gunner? Anyway, um. So, sorry, so, Kayla, if you've never watched Spaceballs and hear us talk about it constantly. 
It's okay. But um, but the biggest thing here for that defense, and this is why I'm saying go find another defense. They were depleted in the fourth quarter. Like they were just done. Um, linebacker Najee Good uh, suffered a foot injury. He was in a boot. Linebacker Cam Robinson had a toe injury. He was gone. In the second half, they lost Marcel uh, Darius, which is one of their DTs. Yeah, yeah. And they lost Quincy Williams, another linebacker. I mean, that, that that's huge in terms of, you know, you, you got to stop the run, you got to stop the pass. You know, that you launch your front seven, more or less, especially depth at linebacker. And while they did sign those MVPs, you know, it, that's not that, that that's great and all, but like you throwing them in a brand new offense that they have to learn automatically, and so I think the I think Robbie Crowder and uh, Le'Veon could get the edge over them. That's fair. I, I understand that. Uh, Kayla, do you want to talk about the Jets or Jaguars, or have we talked about this for far too long? No, twenty oh, minutes is fine. You guys did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm also gonna make an executive decision here. Uh, we were supposed to talk about the Cardinal Saints game today. But part of me thinks we should actually maybe wait until our next episode because by that point we'll know we'll probably know for sure seeing who practices who's going to be in a quarterback and I think that's actually a big say on what we do with some of these starters. So uh, Kayla will get to all I know you've been voting a lot for that, but we'll get to that on the next episode. I also think we're kind of pressed for time, so uh, we're just going to end here with the Bucks and Titans real quick. Um, it's tough to trust any Buccaneers outside of Godwin and Evans fully. And I think mostly because uh, just, you know, this is a really good Titans defense. But, I mean, normally I'm saying every week, Derrick Henry is the only Titans player you can play. I think this may be the week that you don't play him. I, I have been a maybe because it's, again, third, fourth round pick, really tough to bench those guys. But uh, this Bucks defense is the the strongest against running backs. They've been the best running defense DVOA all year. Uh, in points per game allowed to running backs, they've allowed the third fewest behind only the 49ers and Patriots, who, again, they haven't lost games. Really tough for running backs to get production against teams that always win. Um, <laughs> it's funny because the Bucks aren't in that situation. They're, they're a team you can run against because they they never they throw a lot of interceptions and stuff like that, but the run defense has really done so well for them, and the pass defense really hasn't. So you exploit them through the air, which I guess means that Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, who seem to have somewhat of a resurgence under Tannehill, those guys are, I think, maybes. Like if you got, if you if you don't have great options, I think I like playing them here. Uh, a guy I had earlier, Mike Williams, for instance. I think I'd take Corey Davis over Mike Williams this week, and maybe even the rookie A.J. Brown, because Tannehill's again. And this is not what I thought. I thought Mariota was the better guy here, but Tannehill actually looks decent. So uh, I I. As much as I took the victory lap today a lot on Fournette, there's a lot of things I was wrong about, and one of them was Tannehill. So me, t- this is me kind of admitting that, and I think Tannehill, I know I have him in uh, one or two leagues, and I'm playing him this week because I don't have a great option. I think uh, it was like Jimmy G against the Panthers or Tannehill against the Bucks. I, I think I'll go Tannehill because I think the Titans are going to have a hard time running, so it's going to all fall on Tannehill's shoulders. Um, <sighs> Which is always really successful. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think the Titans are going to win this, and ugh, this is going to be a bad game overall. I mean, like these, these, neither of these teams is going anywhere, but it's football, so it's going to still be entertaining. But, um, I know he's been super disappointing. I have him in in one league, I think. Um, but OJ Howard may be the play this week. Uh, the Titans, again, I mentioned they're a good defense, but where they're somewhat vulnerable is to tight ends. 
Um, and it's not super strong, but they've allowed the ninth most fantasy points per game to tight ends. So it's it's on the it's it does seem like it's the one area where they are the weakest. I know we're, we're eight weeks in, so it's not a huge sample size, but uh, it's the one place that the matchup can be exploited. And again, everything is going to go through Godwin and Evans, but I think Howard may be the play this week. You don't want to play him every week, but I think this is the one week where you can trust him, especially. Uh, there's a few bye weeks with good tight ends. Like I'm thinking, the one league I have Howard and I also have Mark Andrews, and it's been sort of the one thing that saved me there of Howard. I've just been able to play Andrews every week, and I've left Howard on the bench and waiting for a moment like this, right, where Andrews is on bye. It's a decent matchup, so I I, I could even cut Howard after this week, but I think I think this is the week to play him, and I think Winston will do well enough. Uh, what I don't like is a lot of the running backs in this game. I mentioned Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber. It's a big split. Even Dario Ungubawale, he's probably worth mentioning too. He's probably in enough rosters. I I, I kind of like sitting all of them. Uh, Dion Lewis, to me, it, it's going to be really tough. He's barely getting any playing time behind Henry, and the run game being so inefficient against the Bucks, or at least what's perceived to be, it's I, I don't see how you could play Lewis this week if, if he's even still on rosters. I know I have him in a couple of deep spots, but uh, Delaney Walker got left the game with an injury last week, so I mean he's an obvious hit if he's not playing, but even if he does go, he he clearly isn't a hundred percent. So it's really tough to trust him in this matchup. And then Adam Humphreys, I thought maybe Tannehill, his fondness for targeting slot receivers and going for those underneath routes, and I thought maybe that'd be a great place for Humphreys last week, but he no, nah, he was he didn't play nearly as much as Davis and uh, Brown, but. He just wasn't getting the targets, and it does seem like it's really going to go through Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. So I, I'd sit Humphreys this week as well. Um, either of you want – Kayla, do you want to chime in here? Um, Yeah, I'm not super sold on O.J. Howard um, for this week. I think, like you said, the best passing options are in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, I think Tennessee did a decent job last week against the Chargers and limiting Hunter Henry. Um, I expected Henry to have a better game. Um, so I know that's a small sample size. Um, I don't think Tennessee is great on offense, but their defense shouldn't be overlooked. They're not somebody that I would start every week, but uh, just the way that O.J. Howard has been used and the way he's produced this season kind of scares me. Um, I don't think it's the worst matchup for a tight end, um, but I don't think it's going to be as good as you're maybe uh, projecting it to be. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong for your for your sake. Um, but I, I just think the play of OJ Howard and, and kind of reminds me of Kyle Rudolph this year. I don't like how either of them have been used. Um, obviously Rudolph is in there as more of a, a blocking guy, but I don't know. I, I didn't expect this from OJ Howard. I think Tampa Bay is really messing up and not using him. Um, they could definitely utilize him. It would open up other guys all the time. Um, but I'm not sold on the matchup. Um, were you going to say something? Well, actually, I, that's a great point that I didn't even think of because you're right. That, I mean, Kyle Rudolph has some games getting 100% of the sna- of the targets or snap percentage on offense and not seeing targets or seeing one target. And it's been blocking, but it's so Howard has been too. So you're right in that sense. Uh, someone mentioned, I can't remember who, I think it might have been Sigmund Bloom, the case study for poor offensive lines and tight end production. Because if your offensive line isn't really doing that well, you'll just leave an extra tight end in to, to help block more than anything. And that seems like what it's happening with the Bucks. Their offensive line really isn't holding up, so they're that's coming at the major expense of Howard. So you're right, it, it, this could be another week of that. Um, but now that they've had the bye week to rest, I think maybe they'll revisit. They, can, they probably see on tape, okay, the matchup, is exploitable with the, with the tight end. So maybe maybe this is me having too much faith in Booth Arians that he'll see this and he'll do well by Howard, but you're right, it, it could be risky. 
I mean, I think, you know, I'm always under the impression, like, if a fan sees it or somebody who's analyzing sees it, then the team has to see it, too. It's just, are they going to make the adjustments to make them beneficial and really make a change? I think the bye week is the best time to do that, but I don't know if they're going to... I would think that they would factor in Howard, but until I see it, I'm not sold that they're going to do it, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. It absolutely makes sense. So it, good points there of uh, maybe making me a little more scared of Howard than uh, I was initially. Uh, but but in that case, if if you don't like Howard, do you like Cameron Brait instead, who will be less used as a blocker? No. Just touchdown dependent only kind of thing. Which yeah, is I I just pretty think much that in his career. Not, yeah, I just think that Tampa Bay is just not looking at using tight ends in the passing game. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Arians is there now, but. I have more faith in Arians than a lot of coaches. Um, so I just think maybe, you know, his game plan is not to use them in the way that they were used before. Um, I could see one of them getting a touchdown in this game, but until they get it, I'm not going to know who it is. So I don't know. I don't like playing either Howard or Bray. Um, But I do, ugh, as much as I hate to say this, I like your call on possibly playing Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think if Jameis Winston plays like the good Jameis Winston, which, you know, I would hope that he wants to try to do more often than not because he hasn't been. Um, I think that Tennessee could find them down and Tannehill needs to throw. And Tannehill was somewhat successful in Miami when they were down having to complete passes and find guys in the passing game when Dolphins didn't really have wide receivers or, you know, didn't have the best run game. Um, so I think it's possible that Tannehill could rack up some yards, but again, it comes down to who is he throwing to? Like, who's going to be successful catching the football, making in-game adjustments. Um, I just think the situation has to be right for Tannehill, but I'm not going to say bench him, um, especially because, you know, when teams in fantasy now that it's later on in the season and you're picking up backup quarterbacks or picking up guys because, you know, the guy you've been with all season, you know, he's on bye or he doesn't have a great matchup. Like, I'm not going to play Phillip Rivers this week, but I already picked up Gardner Minshew. So Minshew's not available in my league, but Tannehill is. So, um, That's a good point. And I, I, to me, I think it was more the play, I, I guess my mentality was super flex for sure you want to play him. But yeah, in single quarterback, Tannehill being your best option is probably unlikely. But as you mentioned, I, I trust him more this week than Phillip Rivers, just mm -hmm. based on matchup. <laughs> That's the Bears. It's... <laughs> It, it's it bears and a poor offensive line. And that's yep, a, that's a I recipe agree. for disaster. I mean, <laughs> the bears against a great offensive line is usually really tough. So when uh, you're as injured as the, the chargers unit. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Alessandro, any thoughts about this matchup? Um, I'm taking the other team and not the 2007 dolphin reunion that's happening in Tennessee. <laughs> Come on, man. It is. It's a 2017 reunion. And who else? Like, who's he, reuni who's he reunited with? Who else was on the Dolphins? Hold on. I gotta, there's, a whole, there's a whole meme about this. I gotta pull it up. But come on. Like, Mariota got benched. Well, congratulations. Mariota got benched. Um... Uh, you, you know Stompy and James the Brain were super happy and I listened to a couple of their podcasts this week, and they were just not letting John hear the end of it. 
Oh yeah, they they they. they come, I mean, seriously, it really is. When you got guys like that, and and they have playmakers. Don't get me wrong, they have playmakers. But when you got guys like that, you 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 can't just you know, be so so. You have to be good. And Tannehill came in, and he was good. Like uh, like it was just like day and night. Like what what happened? Um. Uh. I guess the other thing about Tannehill, Kalen, you can probably answer this better, but okay, obviously he had Jarvis Landry there, but did he have an outside wide receiver with as much talent as Corey Davis and that, that type of route running ability and, and ability to get open? Like, I, I can't think of anybody that he had at his time on the outside that he could throw to like Davis. I would have to look back at their teams over the years, but he had Danny Amendola for a little bit. Which I know a lot of people would probably snicker at that, but I really feel like Amendola is one of those guys. He doesn't necessarily always play on the outside, but he's one of those guys that if you say, hey, go outside or hey, get in the slot or, uh, you know, hey, be in another another blocking dude with the running back like he his in-game adjustments make it so he can line up anywhere on the offense and run his route. So. I don't know enough about Corey Davis. I haven't watched him enough. Um, I mean, I know in one of our early season podcasts, I was like, you know, hey, I watched the game and Corey Davis, you know, stood up from the pile and I was like, oh, that man's wearing a jersey today. Like, he's in the game. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd have to think about it. Maybe that's a, something I can retouch on on Friday. But um, I don't think, you know, Amendola or Corey Davis is a great option for a quarterback. But um, if I had to pick anyone off the top of my head, it would be Amendola, just the way that... I mean, you saw it in New England, too. And you, you saw it the first few weeks in Detroit, but he's not really being used in Detroit right now. But when he was with New England and Miami, he lined up anywhere on the field and was somewhat successful. I mean, you're like, oh, Amendola caught the touchdown for the Patriots? Like, that doesn't help my fantasy team, but that it just proves that, you know, he gets open, so... I would go with Amendola at this point. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and again, prioritizing the ability to get open, right? Which apparently Bill Belichick says that's the most important aspect for a wide receiver. That's why he told Dimitrov not to draft Julio Jones or trade up for Julio Jones in the first round. He couldn't get open. Uh, right. I mean, Dimitrov did anyway, and it worked out. So maybe it's not too much to that, but you know, Julio Jones is a physical freak of nature. So you can get away with not being the greatest separator if you can just blow past guys and and uh, not let them catch you. So uh, certainly that's not who Danny Amendola is <laughs> no. uh, by any stretch. So, uh, but yeah, um, Alessandro, so did you, uh, did we interrupt you too much again or did you get all your, all your ideas out for this uh, Titans box game? No, you didn't. I, uh, all right, so the guys that I can definitively say were Cameron Wake, uh, Tannehill, and uh, Laramie, um, not, 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 not Tunsil. Uh, what the hell is this guy's name? It was one of the guards. Those are the three guys in the meme right now. I, I'll find more. Trust me, I will find more. I got to get their names. But like, no, Cameron was, Wake was on the Titans. I thought he was on the Browns. Oh, he is on the Titans. Yeah, on wow. The Titans. I missed that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Except that reunion has been all year, so yeah, <laughs> I still don't know what you're talking about. Alex. Well, it's true. Yeah, Tannehill has been on the team the entire offseason. It's just now he's on the field. And, I mean, it's not like he and Wake will ever be on the field at the same time. 
Oh my god, that's not what I mean. They're I know, I know it's not what you mean. Shut up, damn it. Alright, look. We're just uh, stumped on who you're referring to who's on Tampa Bay that's having your Dolphins reunion. Tennessee, not, not Tampa. Not Tampa, it was Tennessee. It, well, it I know, the... they're on Tennessee, but you can't have a reunion with somebody on your own team. Oh, that's what you're thinking, okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. Oh, god. All right. You, see, you didn't even explain it properly, Alessandro. Like, I got what you're saying. No, you guys are not just on it. No, 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 no I, I know what you meant. Like, they reunited on, on Tennessee, but Kayla's right, yeah, so that's, see, it's not like that just got, happened this week either. They, they got reunited on Tennessee. We're just going to move on. We're going to go to the Bucks. Look, Tennessee is being terrible right now. And what I mean by that is they're going through a lot of growing pains. They did just, didn't they just win two in a row? Yes. <laughs> No, Their growing about... pains must not be. Uh... Well, again, they just again the char- the Chargers find the most entertaining and interesting ways to lose games too, though. So let's not uh, let's not give them too too much credit. Basse, are are you really and, not and then they about the goal line stance where they had like three fumbles at the goal line? Like that was ridiculous. I don't know what happened there. Okay, okay, my rant of the day on that last one. Why are they not passing the football there? There's only eight seconds left. The, the chances of him getting stuffed and things going wrong and you being able to line up again, not like no timeouts that that made no sense. Just throw no, the no, football, no. throw the football. If you know, if there's nothing open, throw it away, kick the field goal. Like it's really easy. No, you no, go no, to no, time. No, they did the right thing. They, they, they should have punched the ball on Melvin Gordon did the wrong thing. Instead of going low, he should have gone high. That's a big buy uh, running back. He should. Mm, I don't know. Josh high. Jacobs tried that against the Packers and that didn't work. And ended up stopping him on fourth and one. Okay. But that was the Packers. I don't, I don't necessarily agree that he should have gone high there. I, 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 again, I just think that was the, that was the wrong play call to make. You had to understand the situation as a coach. Like, I don't know. Cause he hadn't been running well all game. If this was the offensive line last year, that was giving Melvin Gordon so much space. Yes, but this unit's been so hurt; they hadn't been wow. getting space for him all game. I just, I don't know why they ran it. I couldn't believe it. I, they ran it the time before, and they almost didn't have enough time, and that was weird. And then uh, even that, I was like, why are they running? But whatever, I get it. But you've got enough time to run one more play, so don't screw it up and then go and fumble. Which again, yeah, you're right. It was up to Gordon not to fumble, but I still say that was a horrible play call. I mean, all of it was horrible. I mean, this was a bad officiate game we're going and we're seeing it all throughout the nfl right now but you know what we're not even going to touch on that subject because i'll i will really rant for an hour on that alone look in this game alone i mean when you look at it i want to take the wide receivers from tennessee assuming assuming they're still playing Tannehill. Tannehill did really good i mean the man threw for 312 yards that's pretty good in my book i'm sorry but i mean that's pretty good in my book and when you look at it, you know, these guys, they, they're they doing what they need to do. Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 90 yards. He's pounding the ball out. You know, I'm sorry he's not as good as Fournette and, you know, where he had that touchdown and all that. But, you know, we're going to gloss over that. I mean, I'm not while. necessarily saying that he's not as good and as Fournette. And then, and I just think one catch through the air for 18 yards, Kyle. But we're going to gloss over that. Well, no, you know, I, I just think that this week is a horrible. I don't necessarily think Fournette's better than Henry, you know, by any stretch. Well, I, I think they're both pretty close. They, they, and they're different types of running backs. So it's tough to compare them. Certainly, Fournette has the better speed. Henry's a bigger guy, not as injury prone. So you definitely like Henry more. But I think just th- this is a horrible matchup. That's my point. It is. It, it really is. I mean, it's it's. And again, know. I know the Jets is a bad matchup, but this is a worse matchup. 
It is. And, I mean, the only thing that pisses me off about this whole matchup is that Todd Bowles is coaching that defense, and he couldn't do this for my freaking defense, but he could do this for their defense. And I know he was a head coach when he was in New York, but whatever. You know, like I said when he was back in New York, this man is off a defensive guru, and, you know, you're, you're looking at it. You know, Bruce Arians is the head coach. Todd Bowles doesn't have all those responsibilities, so now he gets to focus on the defense and only the defense. And look at and look what they're doing with the defense. You know, they're run stuffing with a buffer with a bunch of guys that are like third and four stringers. Not really, I'm just you know exaggerating a little bit. And they're just pounding them down and shutting them out, and that's pretty good. Um, so uh, it, this this is a very sucky game to predict. <laughs> yeah, this could end up being a very low fantasy scoring game. And actually, two units I didn't mention were each of the defenses on these, this team. I think you can certainly play either. I, I mean, I'd definitely be encouraged to play the Titans defense because we've seen how much Winston turns the ball over. And yeah, we hope that after a bye week, he comes out and is a bit smarter. But he, you know, he really hasn't shown that throughout his career. So, and uh, again, as much as we have faith in Tannehill, it, it could also go away in one week, right? It, it could, you know. He could turn back to what he's been. So I, I'm not opposed to playing either of these defenses. And to your credit, Alessandro, I think I definitely would, if I was choosing, I'd probably have the Titans defense over the Jags defense this week. Because I think the chance of interception is greater here and turnover and maybe a pick six is greater here. And that, uh, that high upside defensive performance is better here than it is in the Jags game. So when you were talking earlier about, you know, finding better defense for the Jags, this might be one with the Titans. Mm. I mean... Right now, uh, these two defenses are looking a lot better than Jags and a whole lot of other defenses going into this game. Yeah, yeah, certainly are. Uh, okay, well, we're, we're slowly getting closer to two hours here, so I think we're going to call it here, as I mentioned. Uh, we still have we'll have eight more games to go through uh, in the next episode. We'll try and be a bit more concise, maybe uh, less court cases on the next one. Um, Anyway, uh, Kayla, any final words for anybody for uh, week eight? Uh, no, you guys did well as always, and I'm glad the trio is back together. And I just wanted to say that I've never been more happy to work with two people who are so awesome and understanding of you know personal situations. So I know you all didn't know I was going to bring this up, but just wanted to thank you guys so much for last week and what you're going to be doing when I have surgery uh, for the weeks to come. So thank you guys. Of course. And I mean, you know, the, you know, life's obviously bigger than football and certainly this podcast. And, um, you know, we are fully understanding of situations and we want you to be part of this team. So we're going to do everything we can to make that happen, even if you're not on every episode. So certainly uh, appreciate the, the call out, though. Anytime. All right. And uh, we certainly appreciate all of you listeners. So thank you for once again listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast all <laughs> in this very lengthy week eight episode. Uh, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod. You can follow your co-hosts, Kayla Morton at Morton Salt 74, Alessandro Senator at AM underscore Senator, and myself, Kyle Senator at Yama underscore KS. Uh, as always, be sure to check out all the great content on Full Press Coverage, Full Press Radio Network, and wherever you listen to podcasts, please subscribe to not only us, but all the Full Press Coverage podcasts. Rate and review, and uh, all of us appreciate all that. So, Thank you all very much. This was the Full Press Fantasy Pod.